I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. This is a Dynamics 365 podcast, focusing on the ingredients of a successful Dynamics 365 practice. Your host is Business Solution MVP Mark Smith, otherwise known as NZ365Guy. Over the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing seasoned professionals from various parts of the world, talking about what it takes to be successful in a Dynamics 365 practice. Thanks to Kingsway Soft and Alexa CRM for sponsoring the CRM Audio Dynamics 365 Practice Podcast. WordPress powers more than 25% of all the websites on the internet and is the number one choice for bloggers, websites, and portals. Because it is open source, simple to use, reliable, and extensible, Dynamics 365 has become the de facto standard in sales, marketing, customer service, and industry solutions. Now WordPress and Dynamics can work together thanks to the Dynamics CRM WordPress plugin built with love by Alexa CRM Systems. Capture forms, engage your users and customers all without writing any code. Control your site in WordPress while keeping your data in Dynamics 365. To build the plugin, Alexa CRM has created an open source Dynamics 365 PHP toolkit, unlocking the world of Dynamics for PHP developers. Download your 30-day trial from alexacrm.com forward slash plugin and instantly create a portal by connecting Dynamics 365 and your WordPress site. Kingsway Soft is a leading integration solution provider offering software solutions that make data integration affordable and painlessly easy. Thousands of enterprise clients from over 70 countries and regions rely on Kingsway Soft to integrate data with various business systems in order to drive their business efficiency and fully leverage their information assets. Kingsway Soft is a leading provider of Microsoft Dynamics integration software, including Dynamics 365, CRM, AX, NAV, GP, SL, as well as many other applications such as Marketo, Dropbox, QuickBooks, and Salesforce. Whether you need one solution or several, Kingsway Soft works easily within the SSIS platform to make your integration processes as quick and easy as possible. Many of their clients have seen three to 10 times greater data integration performance after switching to the SSIS integration platform. Welcome everybody, I'm here with Gus Kurenborg uh, from Amsterdam and today we're going to discuss his experience and background in working with Dynamics partners all over the world and how he coaches them and uh, what's worked well for them. So Gus, why don't you tell us a bit about your history um, with Dynamics and how you've come to this point? Yeah, thanks Mark, thanks for inviting me. Um, so I've been active in the business application arena for all my working life, uh, which today I think is north from 30 years. But, you know, as for many of us, as older you get, the real number starts to get a little bit frightening. Um, I started working for bigger companies like Philips and Digital Equipment. Um, 
did a buyout with some guys and then uh, came into the in the dynamics world uh, when I started working as commercial director for Navision in the Netherlands in the late 90s. Um, when I left, I started uh, with training and coaching for partners. Uh, 2007, we started a company called Partner Masterclass, which was a PDC, a partner development center. Basically, that meant that we were training partners on business skills and not on technique and functionality. And today, I'm one of the of the co-founders and co-owners of a company called QBS Group. We are a um, initially called Master VAR, today an SMB distributor. And we manage more than 400 partners in 17 countries. And our goal is to help these people to, you know, make a better business and get more happy customers. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So I take it you've worked with a lot of Dynamics practices over this uh, period of time. What have you What have you found the core roles that are needed for a successful Dynamics practice? Well, I think, Mark, that uh, these, these core roles have been changing over time, and I think they're still changing. So if you, if you take a traditional Dynamics partner, it could be CRM, could be uh, could be uh, ERP, uh, then for long years it was uh, a matter of having the right technical people and having the right skill sets on their domain and then, you know, um, make billable hours and have billable people. Then yeah. you had already had a few of the, the success criteria. I think over the last shall I say, five years, eight years, depends a bit per country and per culture and per, per vertical market. But we've all seen people buying in a different way. Uh, we've all seen that marketing became more important, although still there's partners that sort of deny that that trend. Yes. Um, so the shift from, from sales to marketing had an impact on partners, of course, had an impact on their prospects as well. So we see that marketing uh, has become much more important and I think it will become even more important in the, in the near future. Um, you, might, you might say that, um, um, and maybe more specific, product marketing is getting more important. So, and, you know, while these things are changing, you could also say that the ability to change is another sort of competency that, that successful partners need to have. You, t- you talked about marketing of the product. What do you exactly mean? Do you mean marketing uh, one of the dynamic CRM or ERP uh, solutions, or do you mean more uh, marketing um, as a practice, the the industry specialization? No. So I, when I say marketing, uh, I mean marketing as a function for the partner. Yeah. So how do you position your solutions? Uh, which choices do you make for specific markets, specialization, horizontal or vertical? Um, how do you show the benefits of your solution? How do you avoid a talk, just to keep talking about functional features like most of our audience yeah. today probably will love and like, but most prospects are not interested in that. You know, they want to know what it means and what the benefits are and, and, and you know, how they can improve their business with it. So that's the part of marketing I'm talking about. So, so in your experience, what partners do marketing, uh, so not so much what partner, but what have you seen effectively done by partners that execute well in the marketing side of things? Well, let's say that, that for long years, well, let me start here, Mark. Uh, I think the average size, uh, size of a Dynamics partner worldwide is 
still somewhere between 20 and 25 people. Yeah. And we both know names of companies that are much bigger, but we all know there's there's also smaller ones. So if you think about a 25 people um, a dynamic shop, uh, the question is, you know, how are these 25 people divided over the different roles? Yeah. I would say traditionally in a services-oriented traditional CRM or ERP practice, a lot of the 25 would be consultants and developers. And there will be salespeople, there will be an owner, there will be admin people, and then that's about it. So if you th- if you then look more deeply to marketing, then in companies of that size, marketing is a combination job. Um, and the other side of the combination job is often sales. Yeah. Now, we all know that, mar- that it makes sense to combine marketing and sales makes more sense than yeah. combining marketing and development, right? That's, everybody understands that. Yes. Uh, the, 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 the sorry part of it is that marketing and sales have two completely different paces. So if, you, if you're the guy responsible for marketing and sales in your company and it's Monday morning like it is now, what do you do on Monday morning? Well, you do sales because you have to do these phone calls and you have to finalize your proposal and you get to sign the deal. And that's happening on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on, on Thursday. So at, at the end of the week, let's say a quarter to five, you sort of realize, shit, I didn't do anything about marketing. And then you still have 15 yeah. minutes left. Yeah. So typically, that's what we call Friday afternoon marketing. And, mm-hmm. and you know, because of size, a lot of partners do have Friday afternoon marketing. And because of they spend so little, let's say, time uh, and energy and focus on it, uh, you know, look at their websites, right? They're not yeah. really... Um, um, sort of the size that you say I need to go back to see what's new because not, not much happening there. Yeah. What's the solution for that? You know, I've seen a lot of businesses in the space that they get a project on, all their staff get billed out on that project and they might have it for three to six months and they're not worrying about sales and all of a sudden the project starts to come to an end and there's a panic, oh my gosh, where's We've got to get another customer on board and there's kind of potential for a lull and that causes stress for everybody in the business. How do you see businesses working around that and stopping going through that, you know, fully billable to virtually no billable to try and get the next job on board? So my, my colleague, Anne, she's our marketing manager in QBS Group. She recently wrote a nice blog and the title was uh, Marketing as a Panic Button. And that yeah. describes exactly what you, you, you just said, right? So, you know, we do a project, everybody's business with the project, and we keep on invoicing and, and everything's fine until the project's over and then there's nothing left. Yeah. So if you look at the pattern of revenue of these partners, it looks like a shoeing machine, right? It goes up and then mm-hmm. it goes down and then hopefully it can go up again. I'm not exactly familiar with the CRM statistics, but from the NAV statistics worldwide... Uh, I can tell you that um, the average number of new business deals over the last 12 months for an average NAV partner was 2.3. Well, yeah. If you realize that there's more than 120,000 NAV customers out there, 120,000, and they're all sold by partners, then you start understanding that, you know, a lot of these partners were successful in the past selling 10, 15, 20 new deals a year. But over time... You know, the number of new deals slowed down and, and it has several reasons. One of them might be, you know, poor marketing, which leads to a small number of leads. But it also is you have a growing customer base that keeps uh, asking for attention and takeaway capacity. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, if you if you think about going from 20 to 15 to 10, and today is 2.3, you know, my younger son would predict that if you don't do anything, the 2.3 will be 1.8, will be 0.7, yep. and, and then it's done. So you know, as a reaction on that, I think you know Microsoft came up with this project Road to Repeatability. Um, mm-hmm. Changed in Cloud SureStep or Cloud SureStep for Dynamics 365, yep. uh, which, which was a project that started in the ERP side, so with NAV and GP partners, really helping these partners to build a product rather than a project business where you have standardized, uh, verticalized, uh, packaged solutions where you put more focus on marketing. And one of the ideas is, you know, to still have billable people, but then billable based on many more new projects as a way to grow your business. Yeah. So uh, the recent Microsoft conference, I, I know there was more repeat about that. Do you see Microsoft really focusing with their partners around verticalization and that repeatability in special uh, skill set type areas? Yeah, so so you know I've been visiting uh, the worldwide partner conferences or Inspire as it was called uh, this year uh-huh. uh, since 2004, and I've noticed and I've been writing business reports all these years. So we have this call now, and I'm in the middle of all kind of papers and 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 and, and draft versions and documents because the report should be ready next Friday. Yeah, um, that's a professional report on all the happenings at, at Inspire, especially for Dynamics partners, and then specifically on, you know, not just what's happening, but more what does it mean and what should partners do and not do based on that. Yeah. So my observation is that ever since 2004, Microsoft talked about specialization and verticalization, um, and you know this had partial success. So for my report, I had an interview with a guy called Jeff Edwards. He is responsible for uh, Microsoft's strategy, partner strategies in SMB markets, and he's in the job for 10 years. So he has a nice view on the changes. And I discussed this verticalization stuff with him because uh, what's, what was surprisingly for me was this year was verticalization and specialization was a theme in the keynotes. And that uh-huh. did not happen for the last 13 years. So we did, we talked a bit about specialization. And the conclusion that we had together was that partners in Europe, EMEA, no, I would say Europe, uh, are much more verticalized than the ones in the US. Uh, yep. Partners in Europe, in the north of Europe, are much more specialized or verticalized than the ones in the south. And in general, partners in ERP are more specialized than the one in CRM. Yeah. So we see that's a big, big difference here. Um, my gut feeling tells me that, you know, most of the partners um, today compete with uh, similar partners. So if I'm in Australia and I want to sell CRM, I know who the other CRM guys are. So, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a group, it's a limited group. But if you think about moving to Dynamics 365, then the, the competition with Dynamics 365 will be three, four, five fold. Because you're not just competing with your old colleagues, CRM guys. You also compete with people that offer the ERP part, both NAV, GP, and AX. We know it's not all the same product, but at least they compete for the, the brand name Dynamics 365 and a high ranking in Google. So having said that, it means that, you know, with more competition, it's even more important than in the past to specialize yourself and deliver added value, if you don't do that, you might just find yourself in a, um, a business where discount is everything, uh, and that's yeah. not the best basis to, to build a healthy business. 
Yeah, so true, so true. So it's interesting you, you, you brought up about the competition then that's potential now between ERP and CRM partners um, that were traditionally quite different. Do you see a model um, developing and have you come across uh, – partners that are already doing this that are really starting to partner with other partners so for example someone's very strong in erp is going to partner with someone very strong in crm space and have a relationship that's more than just if you like the next deal so i i see there's two options uh, basically mark one is let's say in in the domain of mergers and acquisitions Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, Jeff Edwards, the guy with the overview of the Worldwide Channel, uh, he confirmed that the number of uh, M&E activities is uh, huge at this moment. Um, mm-hmm. And he says the biggest uh, sector is uh, AX partners uh, acquiring CRM practices. Wow. That's basically the, biz- the biggest one. And uh, <clears throat> the reason for that, he says, it's a pretty easy uh, return on investment. Because if you have a customer base with a lot of AX partners using the CRM module from AX, mm-hmm. you know, it's a re- relatively easy uh, way to upsell Dynamics CRM once you have this practice. So I would say acquisitions, merging acquisition is one. And my expectation uh, confirmed with his is that we can expect a lot of M&E activities going going forward in the next months and and years just because of the fact that you can't say, I I just deliver single category ERP or CRM because you need in Dynamics 365, you need both, as we know. So the second option could be be cooperation. Um, My observation in all those years in the channel is that um, uh, the average Dynamics partner is not really great in cooperation, uh, to put it mildly. (laughs) Uh, I've seen partners that only try to cooperate if they're really into big problems, but always with a defensive reason and not so much with an offensive one. And of course, we know, you know, there's always a few uh, people that do it differently, but the majority, I think, was averse of cooperation. But if you think about all the technologies that that now are in front of the Dynamics channel, uh, thinking about Dynamics 365, think about, you know, Power Apps and Power BI and IoT and, you know, what have you, it's so much that, again, if you're the average 25 people shop you simply cannot have all the competencies on board. Yeah. Either you try to win deals, single category, just selling, let's say, sales marketing service or just selling ERP or financials or finance, how we call it. But then yeah. you only have a part of the, of the total puzzle and most prospects will go look for people that can offer complete Dynamics 365. And uh, on top of that, the new technologies. So the discussion yeah. that I had with Jeff was about, you know, what's the ideal size of a Dynamics partner? Um, yeah, it may, may be good to elaborate a bit on that as well. Um, yeah. I know that, you know, the, with the PDCs, I think like eight years ago, eight, nine years ago, we calculated what ideally was the, the ideal size of a Dynamics partner in the project's um, uh, world. And the the answer was around 80, 80 people. Because 80 wow, allowed a partner to have sufficient marketing people, not just one, but a team, mm-hmm. and to have somebody for quality and have somebody for methodology and so on and so further. Yes. Now, so we had the discussion now, well, you know, what, what's happening with, with the size? Um, and, you know, 
I think I surprised Jeff a bit with the question. So he said that that's interesting to pay some attention to that to that question. But his first ideas, like mine, are that if you go move from a project business to a product business again, yep. shrink wrapped, verticalized, standardized, mm-hmm. um, and so on, um, you need less developers because you build something once and you Correct. sell it many times. You don't need so many consultants because, you know, you can make videos and, and, and prepare stuff and, you know, you're on a well-known territory. Um, but what you do need is um, um, scale in marketing. So marketing and product is, is easier to scale than consultancy, sales and developers. Yes. On the other hand, you know, you get you move from a single category to the complete stack, and that means that you need to have more skills yourself or, or in cooperation. So I think it's an interesting arena, Mark, to see you know what's happening in the next month and next next months and quarters, um, and how partners are going to react on this. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you know from my experience in the Australian market. For a partner to make a transition to, as you say, become verticalized or productized is very hard, as in because there's always that new project work coming in, they seem juicy, There's it seems familiar, if you like, and I haven't really seen any Dynamics partner be able to do the transition effectively. I've heard of a few in America, but to do that effective transition of being a project-based company and moving to a uh, a product so I, I've, I've worked with a lot of partners where this was on the table and I've seen examples where partners tried to do both so projects and products uh, mm-hmm. from the same company with the same people and it it showed that it was not effective and what I've learned over time is that if you want to think about moving to products you need a different sales approach to start with, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you need different sales skills. And probably, you know, you need salespeople that can that can pronounce the most difficult word for any salesperson in the world. Yep. It's a short word. Maybe you know what, which word it is? <laughs> no, what's the word? <laughs> the word is no. So, yeah, so you no. need people yeah. that master the word no. Well, in, yeah. in projects, as we know, as flexible as the software is, you have always say, yes, it is possible. Because, yes, it's in the standard dynamics. Yes, it's in my yeah. add-on. Or, yes, yeah. I can customize it for you. Mm-hmm. You think about a product, you need to say, you know, this is in and the rest is not in. And maybe it's in the next yeah. version. So you need to be able yeah. to master the word no. That's the first thing, right? Secondly, you need to have consultants that implement what is available. And most of the consultants today want to implement what's not available. We can build it for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. and then third one, I think important is that the cash flow and the money flow in products that are often um, uh, based on rent models, um, you know, your your business model doesn't allow you to pay a lot up front and doesn't allow you to have a high customer acquisition cost. So you need to have yeah. a cheaper, faster, simpler uh, acquisition process. And that means marketing should be do more of the business. Marketing should do the heavy lifting. And you need to have salespeople that probably don't drive around the country in a big car, but, you know, be, be effective over the phone. Yeah. So all in all, if you want to move from a project business to a product business, mm-hmm. you probably need to set up a second arm 
a second activity. Yeah. Maybe with the same logo or a different one, maybe in the same building, maybe mm -hmm. not. Maybe in the same market, maybe not. That's all to, this, to be discussed. But you, yeah. you probably need a different DNA to be successful in products. And I've, I have examples, uh, a growing number of examples of partners that do that and are, that are successful. So, so what's the timeline on a typical path? Are those partners that you've experienced or what's the average of making that trans, uh, transition or um, into becoming more product focused? So I think the biggest um, hurdle, the biggest challenge, you might say, is uh, the process in the head of the owner. Yes, that takes that takes most time. And I've seen I've seen some examples of people who are very fast, um, really very fast. Matter of of you know, in a, in a week after after an intensive workshop or training, they saw the light. To say it that way, and I yes. see partners after years they're still juggling and don't know what to do. Yeah, I think in, in, in general, uh, with all the changes at Microsoft and with all the changes in products and uh, with all the changes now in, in the marketing model, uh, Microsoft announced this uh, one commercial partner approach in last month right. in Washington. Again, that's a new change. I see a big part of the, of the channel um, um, doing nothing. And some even act a bit paralyzed and look into the into the lights of the train that is coming fast. Hmm? Yeah. Um, and I think that's not good. Partners should move and should do things because um, not doing anything is not really the right strategy, as we all know. Yeah. So, so interesting. We've talked about you know focusing in on the product and and owning repeatable um, IP, if you like. What about now though that you know? You mentioned it before, we have Dynamics CRM, we have Dynamics, um, you know, from an ERP perspective, we've got Power Apps, Flow, Power BI, uh, more and more, any implementation is going to involve Azure these days, and then there's the whole integration with Office 365. So it's almost like the partner's skills are needing to go very broad, while we're also saying, hey, you need to stay very focused. Um, how do you see partners handling that? Well, if you say broad and, and focused, um, I think that we are, the, the move that I see is that most partners are great in product, mm -hmm. right? And, and not just the product people like the consultants and developers, but the sales and marketing people and probably the owners are into the product as well. Yes. Uh, interesting observation, Mark, is that from all the business owners from Dynamics Partners worldwide, only 2% have a marketing background. Wow. Wow. And to me, that explains why in many partner organizations, this discussion around marketing budget is such a tough one, because mm -hmm. there's still a large amount of partners that think that marketing is a cost. Well, yeah, I would say exactly. marketing is an investment because that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's the oxygen that keeps your, your business running. You know, so a big chunk of the partner background is uh, sales or product. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that, that run a, um, a business, but the business owners are product-driven people. Well, that's not good or bad. It's just an observation. Mm -hmm. My belief is that, you know, we're moving into an era very fast where everything that you want to know from a product is, on, is available online. Yeah. If you think about the vast amount of information that Microsoft spreads out about Dynamics 365, the YouTube yeah, videos, the documents, the ebooks, the checklists, you know, 
everything you can think about is online. And I had a discussion on that with Marco Perisic. He is the Microsoft guy responsible for Dynamics 365 in the SMB market. Um, and we talked a bit about um, his blogs on LinkedIn, where he openly discussed all kind of functions and feature stuff or positioning stuff. And I said to him, you know, Microsoft used to be an NDA company. You need to sign yep. for everything. And it was all, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, a bit spooky. Yep. So I said, what, what's the change? And he said, you know, that's from the old days where we had a new version every two years. We're moving to an area where we have new versions every month, every week, every yep. day, if you like. So, you know, we simply cannot afford this NDA stuff anymore. And the mm-hmm. uh, positives of discussing things in, in all openness um, are better than, you know, the, the damage that we could have that competitors can read it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so the products are available, that's my point. And, you know, I think that a lot of partners know a lot from products, but most partners don't know enough from their customers. Yeah. So if you say focus, I would say to partners, you know, if you have the choice, I would say focus less on the products. Of course, you have your product people, but think about your sales and marketing people. I would love to see them to know everything from pet food industry, to know everything from lady hairdressers to know everything from, you know, hospitals or whatever and read more about that and become part of that ecosystem. Drink what they drink, eat what they eat, uh, read what they read. So I would say that partners should focus much more on that. And then I believe that um, it's inevitable that partners start cooperating more than they did before. Now, we are involved in a uh, company called Dinosaurs. I'm not sure if you heard of that. No. Dinosaurs is sort of a, is a, a partner-to-partner platform. So you can say on Dinosaurs, you know, the skills or the, ca- the capacity you're looking for. So I'm looking for a Power Apps person responsible uh, or experience with X years of experience in um, the Melbourne region. Okay. Um, for a project that will start in three weeks from now and I need a person uh, for two months, two days a week, something like that. Yep, yep. Well, to, in today's analog world, it's very, very hard to find somebody like that. It costs you a lot of time and money mm-hmm. to find. And with dinosaurs, you can find such a person easily. And the other way around, if you have people sitting on the bench because there's a delay in a project right. or whatever, you could yep. say, you know, I got somebody available, so it helps you to be more billable. Yeah. yeah. I strongly believe since we're all moving from single category, be it CRM, be it ERP, to more and more of the Microsoft stack, which is, you know, Dynamics 365, which could be Microsoft 365, which was announced in Washington, which could be all the new technologies that you cannot afford to have with your 25 people company. You know, cooperation is the one thing. So I would say, you know, you can find your expertise and technical skills um, uh, with tools like dinosaurs, but yeah. the way you set yourself apart from competition is to know more from your customer's market and your customer's business. Yeah, so true, so true. I'll make sure that in the show notes that we put the links to these various articles and people that you've mentioned uh, just so yeah. the listeners can uh, can see that. Listen, I want to change gears slightly now. What have, what have you found works effectively from a partner engagement perspective with Microsoft? In other words, in your experience with working with partners, what, part, what do partners do that work really well in their engagement with Microsoft um, that generates positive outcomes for both companies? 
Yeah, that's that's a good question, uh, Mark. Um, I would say that attitude is an important point there. Mm-hmm. Uh, attitude as in, but there's always tension between Microsoft and partners, right? Uh, yeah. Microsoft wants you to generate more business and they say, how's your pipeline and how are the deals doing? Mm-hmm. And the partners always say, where are the leads? Something like that. Or where's the exactly. marketing budget? Right? Yep. Um, it's, it's often uh, short-term focused and the tension is not always positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say, you know, you know just, just a small, let's say, anecdote from my time working for Navision Software as commercial director in the Netherlands. In my first week, we, I came across the fact that we lost our office manager and we were searching for a new person. Mm-hmm. And, and in the period we were in between the two office managers, uh, somebody said, Gus, could you take, uh, could you keep an eye on info at navision.nl? Right. So I said, that's good. And I found in my inbox uh, leads from companies interested in Navision. Uh-huh. That was, you know, I was green, I was new, I didn't know. I know we had partners, but not, you know, which were the good or the bad ones or whatever. Uh-huh. But I had a job in my first days to start spreading out leads, which was far from easy. And of course, you know, all you would like to do is put the lead on the place where the chance for winning is, is the best. Exactly. So with all my limited knowledge, I tried to do that. And then, you know, in my second week on Monday morning, I think 11 o'clock, I got a phone call from a guy. He says, hi, hi, Goose, this is Jan. Well, you need to know that in Holland, 50% of all the guys called Jan, so it could be anybody. And he said, I remember I, I got this lead from you last week. I'm just arriving away, visited the customer. Uh, I'm on the shortlist for the last two, and I'll do the demo next week. I'll keep you updated. Bye. And he hung up. And I was like, whoa. So what happened? Somebody called me. I didn't ask for it. He didn't complain. Like, you know, nine out of ten phone calls you get if you work for Microsoft or Navision are complaints. And there's enough to complain about. So it was positive. It was no complaint. It was, you know, very relevant for me. And I was very surprised. And the interesting thing, and I tell this story a lot in my in my presentations and trainings, the week after I got a, a new bunch of leads and I, f- I saw my, my hand moved automatically towards this guy, Jan, to, to distribute yep. them. So yeah. Yeah. the moral here is, you know, people working at Microsoft are human beings just like you and me. Exactly. And they have, you know, positives and negatives and they like to be treated in a nice way. So I believe a positive attitude and openness and you know, transparency, and, you know, you can be critical. I think the Dutch are worldwide famous for being blunt and critical. But, you know, if you do that in a positive way, constructive way, I've learned yeah. that that could be one of the, you know, um, aspects that could bring success on that side. Yeah. I have yeah. to say now that uh, the reorganization is uh, was announced just before Inspire, Right? Well, Microsoft says we're going to cut like 3,000 jobs, most of them in the field, most of them in sales. So what we try to figure out now is in all the 17 countries where we're, where we're active at this moment, so, you know, who is sitting on which chair and who left and who's new and whatever. But what I see as a red wire is that the amount of partners that will be managed in fiscal 18 will be dramatically lower than the ones that were managed in fiscal 17. Yeah, and secondly, what he sees is that people, you know, Dynamics partners traditionally were used to be, when they were managed, to be managed by a Microsoft Dynamics person, somebody that knew CRM and ERP. 
And I think the partner channel should get used to the fact that they now, if they are a managed partner, they will be managed by a Microsoft person and not a Microsoft Dynamics person anymore. Exactly. So so there will be somebody who has, you know, Azure on the agenda or productivity and maybe also Dynamics, right? So, you know, for Dynamics partners, that is probably a wake-up call um, where they have to sort of consider, am I still managed? If yes, you know... What's the dynamics amount of this person? And if no, you know, where to go to, um, to find, you know, business support. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's interesting because it's, it's, I find it interesting that this time that Microsoft's reduced, if you like, the headcount dedicated to dynamics out in the field um, to a degree. That's my observation. But at the same time, the momentum or the demand for Dynamics 365 just seems to be on the up and up. There's almost more business coming in that's ha- than that can be handled. Um, there's a very positive a feeling, if you like, vibrance in the market and even the market becoming, or, you know, the customer base becoming more educated around the potential of dynamics and digital transformation and how they can really move their companies forward. Uh, do you think that there there might end up being a gap um, in resources in Microsoft or do you think that it's really just an opportunity for partners to, to you know, to stand up, take on a bit more responsibility and really own, you know, that product set and taking it to market? Well, let me, t- let me t- say two things about this, uh, Mark. First is that I like to the, use the metaphor between Dynamics 365 and Office 365. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure about the age of your of your audience, but I think there's people in the audience um, listening now that have used products like WordPerfect or maybe even WordStar in the very yeah, uh, past, right? one, two, three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, there was there was a reason um, why people did not buy Microsoft Word. I know in in Western Europe, WordPerfect had a market share north from ninety percent, so they were very Ooh, dominant. Wow. Wow. For, for calculations, people use uh, Lotus 1, 2, 3 and Symfony, although Microsoft had Excel, but nobody, hardly anybody was interested in Excel. Um, and, you know, people started buying the stuff when Microsoft stopped uh, position and sell these as separate word processors or separate um, calculation sheets. Yeah. But when they started to integrate it and didn't call it Word or Excel anymore, but they called it Office. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing is that, you know, Excel and Word costed $400 per uh, license. And when yep. Microsoft added the two and put PowerPoint on top of that, it was not for the price of three times 400 is 1200 but they said something like yep. 600 mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what they did, they combined and integrated it, positioned it as a suite, and dropped the prices. Yeah. But if I look at what Microsoft's doing now with Dynamics 365, I see some similarities. Mm-hmm. Prices go down, product get integrated yep. and will be integrated over time, right? Yep. yep. So, you know, and then the question is, um, do you expect Microsoft to have Excel salespeople? No. No, but I think they had in the past. Yeah. So moving forward, is it realistic that Microsoft still has salespeople that are specialized in CRM or ERP? Or do we believe that it's better if Microsoft, you know, has people that can position all the stack? and might have specializations in IoT or maybe Dynamics 365 or Microsoft 365. So as soon as we aggregate solutions to, to, to smart bundles with smart pricing, you know, the, I would say the products now get more integrated. Um, yeah. The next step is that Microsoft should have a field organization that can handle this integrated stuff. 
And then the third and the last part is that the partner channel should be able to handle this integrated solution. And yep. that's where the M&E or the cooperation comes around the corner. One is this, this, this metaphor with uh, Office and Dynamics. I think it's a relevant one. I think it's also a good one that you know your listeners could use in their discussions with, with their prospects. Right? If they use Office, you could ask them, yep. why did you switch from Lotus and, to, and WordPerfect to Office? And they right. will tell you it's about the integration. Well, that's the same reason and the same arguments they yeah. could use to move away from Sage and Sugar CRM to Dynamics 365. Yes, that's true. Right? So the, the second thing is that um, uh, the amount of, let's say, partners that gets direct managed by Microsoft will um, will will decrease or is, decre- mm-hmm. is decreasing. Uh, by the way, um, outside of Dynamics, uh, there was only like 5% of all the partners worldwide were managed directly with Microsoft, only 5 Yeah. And I think in Dynamics, it was sort of 30%. So, you know, if we say Dynamics becomes mainstream, it means that Dynamics is not an exotic island anymore, but it's going to be part, finally, after all these years of the total Microsoft organization. Yeah, it also right. means they get the same metrics, they get the same structure, they get the same whatever. And what we see is that um, uh, partners that will not be managed by Microsoft anymore, and also partners that want to be new, as you said, there's a big market demand and there's a lot of people that see the potential of Dynamics 365. Uh, Microsoft moved Dynamics 365 to the CSP arena. CSP stands for Cloud Solution Provider, which is a, we'd say, a license model um, that is uh, basically uh, based on uh, indirect business. So yeah, exactly. you could say that the move from standalone CRM and standalone ERP to Dynamics 365 is combined with the move from direct Microsoft approach to an indirect with CSPs and DISTs. Yeah. And I think, you know, the partners that want to jump in and the partners that want to expand and whatever will experience that Microsoft more often than in the past will say, you know, find yourself a good distributor or a good CSP uh, company that can help you. Yeah. So, but you see, this the CSP is selling as in more than just dropping the licenses. They got to provide that end-to-end solution. Well, there there will be there are already different, let's say, um, uh, vendors. Uh, we ourselves, yep. with QBS Group, uh, we are CSP um, indirect, which means that partners can buy through us. Uh, you know, there's a limited number of uh, CSP indirects. Most of them are the big disties, the Ingram Micros, TechData, exactly. also these guys, mm-hmm. right? They're all huge. But I think the point is they're very good in transactions. They're very good mm-hmm. in marketing, but their knowledge of dynamics is limited. Exactly. Um, and, you know, there's the question, what are partners looking for? Are you looking for the best margin, the lowest prices? Then probably, you know, you should talk with these guys. But are you interested in added value and people that understand you can help you and and, and um, bring you to a, a higher level? Then it's probably good to also have a look at the at the value added distance. Yeah. So, <clears throat> with all the changes that are going on, what are you seeing partners are asking for from a training perspective more than they have in the past? So traditionally, Mark, this channel uh, is used to have product trainings. So product is everything, right? If you go to events and you do presentations, all the uh, uh, audiences for products are always fully booked or overbooked. 
Yep. But, but I see that more and more partners start to realize that, you know, technique and functionality is important, but at the end of the day, it doesn't make the difference anymore. Yep. So things like positioning, uh, things like smart pricing and packaging, things like good verticalization, good marketing, more and more will make the difference. So what yeah. we see is that there's uh, uh, growth on both sides. Uh, of course, um, partners that you know want to stay ahead of the curve with the products will send their product people to product training, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We've also seen you know a lot of demand on the business skill side. Um, yep. So myself, I've delivered these trainings around road to repeatability, um, yep. which initially was especially for the ERP part, now also available for the CRM partners. Microsoft changed the name later to Cloud Step for Dynamics. Yep. Um, and we saw a, a huge demand for that. And I think I've trained together with colleagues more than 150 partners in 35 countries over the last three wow. years. Brilliant. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of things going on on that. And, you know, I feel that partners uh, understand they have to change. Again, some do it faster, some do it uh, do it slower. But that would, that's normal, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that won't change. Uh, so we all know that our parents learned the job and they did that job 40 years. And, you know, yeah. what we learned effective for eight years or four years and we have to change all the time. Not that we yeah. don't like it so much, but it's fact of life, I guess. Yeah, so true, so true. What you covered there was around that, you know, uh, people are in their jobs for, I feel like, short periods of times or they'll do career switches. And I notice a lot of people in the Dynamics channel accidentally fell into the channel as in so or they fell into the uh, fell in love with the product they got assigned a project for whatever reason and found wow this is an incredible tool set that can build many solutions um but then i find that a lot of people are just self-learned there's no formalization in that process are you seeing more partners that are uh, a short of if you like skilled headcount and um i know you mentioned dinosaurs there is another place to to bridge that gap but what are partners doing to really find the skills without just if you like taking them from other partners and having, you know, a bunch of uh, people just, if you like, churn around the industry. So I think that, you know, many business owners realize that just stealing the best people from your competitors is not the best way going forward. Mm. At the end, you know, prices go up. It might be nice for this consultant or developer to get more salary all the time. But, you know, we should have a bigger audience rather than circling around and recycling the ones that we already have. Yeah, so we we started an initiative in QBS to to set up a program called Dynamics Three Sixty Five Accelerate Program, and basically what we do is we offer a um, um, a program for partners to build a new practice. So we started right. with the CRM side, and we just mm-hmm. uh, finished our first uh, round uh, in Netherlands, and we're going to start next month in I think four more countries in Europe. And what we do there is it's a combination of learning people, let's say the skills, teaching the skills. And of course, there is the dynamics learning portal portal where you can find all the stuff. But if you talk to partners, you know, they say it's great. But at the end of the day, you need to have a lot of discipline to keep on doing what you need to do. And then you just talk about the juicy projects, there's something going on, your boss wants you to do this, maybe you can postpone it a week or whatever. At the end of the day, there's many, many dropouts. 
The interesting yeah. thing I saw in an article this morning in uh, a financial newspaper in Netherlands talking about this distance learning, and it talks about the experiences of big universities all over the world. Yeah. And they, you know, these professors used to have 50 people in a classroom, and now they have 60,000 people uh, on the internet. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The impact is that because there is no working together, we don't see each other, there is no somebody who ticks on your shoulder or whatever. You know, this the uh, effectiveness is has dropped dramatically, and there's only less than five percent of the people that do it electronically that are successful. So, what wow. we decided to do in this program is we said yeah. we're gonna offer DLP, but we have a very experienced trainer, and there will be a, um, a telephone consult for the group of yep. people of one hour every week. Mm-hmm. So they can raise questions and give answers. You can learn from the yep. questions and answers you get from your colleagues or the, the other partners in the room. And you get warnings like, mind you, next week you need to reserve 12 hours. If you don't do that, right? Yep. it's going to it's gonna postpone and whatever. You get into the problems. Yeah. So we started doing that. So that's, you know, functional and technical training, but we combined it with a workshop for strategy. We combined it with help in specialization and find which vertical you should go in. And then at the end, we combined it with a program called Take the Lead, where we can help partners really nurture prospects and create leads, sales qualified leads. And we help them to close deals. Yeah. So that's a very interesting, I would say, end-to-end program. Uh, Microsoft embraced the program, so we're going to work together uh, in the next few months uh, in Western Europe to roll out yep. this program. Yep. And, you know, that is a way for a ERP partner to say, okay, I can acquire a CRM partner, I can mm-hmm. try to cooperate, but the third option then is to build one in a structured way. Yeah. Same will be relevant for uh, CRM partners that might consider to also start doing uh, the, the ERP part in order to be able to be a one-stop shop. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely, definitely I see myself as a growing demand is that how that educational learning or training is delivered uh, where everything has gone online. You, you mentioned the Dynamics Learning Portal, but I just had a colleague's other Dynamics uh, MVPs talking about where's the classroom training. There's still people want an element of uh, talking to a real person and understanding than just, you know, watching videos and um, and having it delivered that way. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you, especially with your background from New Zealand, Australia, there is areas in the world where the distances are so huge that the, exactly. the cost will drive you to do e-learning anyway, right? Yeah. Exactly. But we found exactly. that this combination of DLP and then uh, somebody, you know, you talk to for every for an hour every week, as if you go to the doctor with your problems, right? That so far uh, seems to be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. No, very good. Very good. Listen, uh, in your experience in the in the mix of a dynamics uh, practice, do you, you know, often I've seen uh, what were consultants move into, let's say, a leadership position. And I think there's uh, quite a difference between what I'd consider a leader and a manager. Um, and, and often they've been very good as consultants, um, but then they move into a, let's say, a managerial position. And they struggle with the the people part, the the mentoring, coaching. The now you know they've moved away from being a peer to in that leadership role. What's your advice for them so they can be you know make that transition, if you like, effectively from being all about the product and implementing or billable time into more of a leadership 
um, team lead type position? Well, I think that, you know, when I was younger, it seems that everybody wanted to become a manager. Yeah. It seems to be, you know, the, there's only one way, which is up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure, like you said, if everybody is uh, in a position to start doing that. I'm not sure uh, if everybody would like to do it. Um, and I think sometimes in some organizations, how shall I say it, a bit Dutch, uh, sometimes even uh, uh, um, it could be seen as overrated, these positions. Yep. Yeah, I know totally. a lot of people who are very unhappy f- moving away to a management role and a leadership mm-hmm. role and then say, <laughs> I have regrets because I would like to go back. But, you know, yeah. uh, I'm, I, don't, I don't know how to get back or whatever. Yeah. Um, the first thing I would say is, you know, th- come up with the question for yourself and be honest with yourself on what you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. If the only thing of a leadership position or management position that is attractive is the money, and I would yeah. think twice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, um, uh, I would say you just use the term MVP, most valuable professional. I would say mm-hmm. if you are good in a product um, and you move into a position potentially to be an MVP and you start, you know, blogging and video blogs and, and, and presenting yep. on events and stuff like that, I would say I would consider that as a leadership position as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Def- definitely showing, you know, the thought leadership and the technology leadership. And uh, yeah. there's there's a massive demand for more of that um, definitely in, in the community, I feel. Yeah, and then to be honest, again, uh, Mark, if the average size of a dynamics partner is 25 people, mm. well, you don't need a lot of managers, right, in a company yeah. of that size. Exactly, so exactly. Not everybody should have the goal, uh, uh, you know, to end up like that. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. Not all those positions are available, I guess. I know, I know, but for some reason, you know, there's this, there's this idea that you know that is the the pinnacle to get up to, and um, and yeah, it's just I think it's a, a lot different than what if you like people that aspire to it really understand it is. Well, when, when from my personal background, when we uh, um, <clears throat> merged Partner Masterclass with a company called Concept Sales back in 2012, and we started QBS. So I said, you know, I get a lot of energy from working with partners uh, in training, coaching, and, and, and inspiration. Yeah. So that's what I, what makes, you know, what makes me happy. So I'm not interested to have a position in the management team. I don't want to be in too many meetings. Yeah. Um, that's where I am today. Yeah, brilliant. Still, brilliant. you want to invite me for this podcast, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, I like it that you've cut out that niche that, you know, um, that really fits with what you enjoy doing. Yep. I just have a couple of quick fire questions <clears throat> to wrap up here that I'd like to go through uh, with you. <clears throat> so these, you know, you can uh, either one word or you can elaborate on them. But what book do you recommend most to people working with uh, Dynamics and why? So there's a book called Consumption Economics, Uh uh, The New Rules of Tech. Um, It's on my desk here. Um, And that book describes the changes in buying behavior um, uh, that's going on in the market and the impact that has on IT vendors. And I I would say, again, (laughs) you're not surprised, it's not a product book, right? But it's a book about business changes 
And I would say that it would be great if many business owners that have doubts or not sure what to do would read this book, you know, right. to understand what's going on and, and get a feel of where we're heading. It's not a yeah. Microsoft thing. This new buying behavior is all over the place and we do it ourselves as well. Yeah, right? exactly. No, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Vacuum cleaner on your camera. We don't go to any shop. Maybe we don't visit the shop at all, but we start online. Right? And exactly. And this has a big impact. So true. What's your favorite app and why? What app do you use most on your phone? I use WhatsApp as my most favorite app. Do you go to? It's definitely become popular all over the world. What's yep. your daily ritual that set you up on the uh, up, uh, the path for success for uh, the day? Um yeah, what what would you try to do each day to, you know, to set you on uh, the the path for a successful day? Well, I try to create something, and that's not always um, uh, easy because of full agendas. But I like to write a lot. Uh, I write blogs. I started. I did my start of my career as a vlogger, a video blogger uh, last month yep. in uh, Washington. I've uh-huh. been coached by my youngest son. He's fourteen, and he <laughs> said, "Daddy." Daddy, if people, old people like you try to make a selfie, you always make the same mistake. So I said, what's that? Mm-hmm. And he said, you keep your camera too low. <laughs> and yeah. people, people see how ugly you are. So you need to put your camera on top, right? Yeah. Top yeah. And, you know, I, I made a series of, of vlogs on Inspire. If mm-hmm. you go to the QBS website, you can find them. Um, Excellent. And I, you know, and I said, you know, I'm coached by my uh, by my kids on, on doing that. Mm-hmm. Um even coached by by partners on making improvements, right? So, you know, creating something could be as simple as a checklist, as a small blog, or maybe a vlog. But um, yep. I like to create something and um, and do some and create something that's not there at the beginning of the day. So that makes my yep. day a great one. Fantastic! If you could redo anything in your Dynamics career, what would it be? If I could do something now. No, if you could redo, in other redo. words, yeah, if you, mm-hmm. if you could do a redo on part of your Dynamics career, whether it be, you know, get in earlier, whatever it might be, it's hard for you to get in earlier being that you're really there from the start, but is there anything that you would have done differently in hindsight? I would step in, I would step in earlier. I think that's the point. Yeah. I started in 99, but it would be interesting to already start a few years before. It's been great uh, talking to you. Just in closing, how can people get in touch with you um, if they want to uh, find out more about uh, the training you offer for partners? What's the best way for them to connect with you? So I live on, on LinkedIn, like I think most of us will do. So that's an easy way to find me there or send me a, a private message. Um, my email address is gk from Goose. Krabbenborg, gk at qbsgroup.com. This has been a Dynamics 365 podcast, focusing on the ingredients of a successful Dynamics 365 practice. Your host was Business Solution MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 guy. Please subscribe and leave suggestions for future topics or guests. All details and resources covered in the podcast are available in the show notes. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, please let me know. Thanks to Kingsway Soft and Alexa Serium for sponsoring the Serium Audio Dynamics 365 Practice Podcast.